worship the Lord and get into the good word of God. Amen. I'm Pastor Bert, one of the, the pastors here on staff. We want to thank you for joining us. We love you all so much. And we'd like to start our service with a testimony. So let's give it up for our brother Elliot as he comes up and testifies. My name's Elliot, and I'm here to talk a little bit about my uh, experience in, in looking for a job following school. So uh, I went to college for architecture. Uh, it was a five-year degree. That was a planned five years. It's uh, how long it takes normally. Uh, I didn't go on the five-year plan. Um, anyway, so went through school, uh, graduated, came back to Chicago. It uh, took, took over two years uh, for me to find work in my field. And during that time, I was probably unemployed for a good 12 to 16 months of it, um, looking for work, applying for jobs, not hearing anything back from people, uh, underemployed for the remainder of it. So that looked like doing steel work, doing carpentry, uh, at times for like five bucks an hour, literally $5 an hour no health insurance, job where I can get my arm ripped off, I could get electrocuted any, any given time. Um, but God had a plan through that. And uh, going through that, though, you don't see it, you know. It's, it's really difficult to stay encouraged, to stay positive, and to believe that God has the best for you in the midst of, in the midst of that. And uh, I just wanted to share, this is a Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, 9, and a little bit of 10, and this is Paul speaking. Uh, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. Um, so I believe there is a lot that God accomplished, more than I can share in a minute or two up here. But uh, part of that was drawing me to have a greater dependency upon him and uh, whatever you're going through today, I know that that's what God has for you. He wants us to be closer to him. He calls us his children. He wants that intimate relationship of a father and, and his child. So I'm just going to pray for us, and we're going to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, God, thank you for going after us, Lord. Even when uh, we aren't desirable, God, when we're not doing things your way, when we are pursuing other things we have our hearts set on other things lord you pursued us god you made yourself known to us you made your great love known to us god and you've transformed our lives god i pray that if that's not true for anyone in here that god they would encounter it lord by your power by your grace lord i thank you that you see us through hardships lord and that you have the best in plan for our lives lord and i just pray that we would have surrendered hearts lord to you God, that we would give you uh, control of our lives, Lord, and that you would do beyond anything we could ask or imagine. Uh, 
God, we love you, we praise you, not because of what you're going to do or what you've delivered us from, but because of who you are and uh, because of your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands, church. He is a good God, amen. I said he is a good God, amen. You know, a beautiful thing that our brother said, was that God has chased him down. <laughs> How many have been caught by the Spirit of God? How many were chased down by His Spirit and you had nothing, you had nothing to do but to surrender to Him? Hallelujah, Father God, thank you for chasing your people down. Lord God, I thank you for a people that have surrendered to you. Lord God, today we will dance, today we will worship, today we will shout, because you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Come on, church, lift up a shout. Hey, I've got a river. Sing that again. I got a river. I've got a river, a living water, fountain that never will run dry. There's an open heaven, you're releasing. We will never be denied. Come on, let's stir it up. Let's stir it up deep. children, all the crianzas, all the niños to come up here. Come on, children. See, you guys are free. <laughs> right? Right, kids? You guys like to have fun? You guys love to worship Jesus? Yeah. So we're going to show everybody how to do it. You guys ready? Yeah? And if you want to join them, come on and join them. Jesus said that we better be like them to enter the kingdom of heaven for theirs is the kingdom amen here we go hey, i've got a river
God, here are your people. Here we are, Lord. We love you. All we need is you. All we want is you. Church, if all you want is him, lift up your voice right now and praise him. Let him hear the voice of a people that are satisfied by him. Let him hear a voice of a people that love him, that cry out to Abba, Father God, you're lovely, God, you're lovely. Spirit is here, Lord. You know, there was a time where even in my Christian rock, I was confused of who God wanted me to be and what he wanted me to do. And there was a tragic circumstance in my life, and, and it just shook me, just like, how, like, why is this happening? How can I lose a child? And at that moment when I just said, why, how, I felt an immense love come into the room. And it was a healing love. It didn't have condemnation on it. It didn't have confusion on it. It didn't have worry on it. It was a healing love. See, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're confused. I don't know. But God knows where you're at. And right now in this room, there is a healing love. 
right now in this room, there is a healing love. You may have been hurt. You may have lost. You may feel empty. But let me tell you, friend, those feelings are nothing in comparison to God's healing love. So right now, just let him heal you. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, heal me. Here I am, God. In your own words, just tell him. for us today there's grace for us today Oh! 
Lift up your hands together and sing.
church, just lift them up in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a beautiful presence in this place. It is about to blow in this room right now. Father God, we anticipate. We anticipate your glory. We anticipate your heavy presence in our hearts. In this place, God. of his people. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. We believe in the gift of speaking in tongues and words of prophecy. If there's a word here today, 
for the edification of the church speak Everything that we've just, we're just worshiping you to, God, right now, we know what worthy of it all means inside our lives, God. Our families, how we raise our families, what we do at work, in school. Oh, Lord, right now, I just pray that we would just go after you with that heart in every single place that we encounter throughout this week, God. And in our lives, Lord, that we would not just uh, believe that worship it just comes on Sunday mornings but we live a life of worship saying that you're worthy of it God that we present our bodies to you as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to you Jesus oh hallelujah Lord can we just sing that part the, the verse with all the saints and the angels all the saints Bow before your throne. Yes, Lord. 
today. Bow before your throne. Jesus. We just thank you right now for what you're doing in this church, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that would come, that would fill believers. We thank you for what you did on the cross, Jesus. How you laid down your life, how you sacrificed for us. And now when we, we come here, God, when we join together, when we, we become the church, God, when we come together, when we gather together, Lord, God, we just all come in unison. We worship you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your great grace and your majesty, your great love, your great mercy, Lord. Oh, who are we that we would deserve it, God? But we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, because you are worthy, God. We thank you, God, because you are so great. You are so great in this place, God. Oh, Lord, God, we thank you for this service, God. We ask that you would continue to move mightily, God, mightily in this service. Let your power come in this service. Let your manifold power come in this place, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, hallelujah. Woo. You can slap your neighbor high five as you wait, make your way back to your seats. During this time, we will be dismissing the King's Kids. You can follow Rudy over there. Jesus. How's everybody doing today? I hope blessed, wonderful, highly favored. My name is Ellie. I'm one of the pastors here in this church, and I have the distinct honor to be able to share with you the gospel today. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, but otherwise it's going to be on the screen. And before I just say this, re read this scripture verse, I want to just give a quick context. We were all created to have a relationship with God. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. We didn't just come by random chance. We're not accidents. But God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. He knows everything about us. He has more thoughts about us than there are grains of sand on the earth. He loves us so much, and he, he desires to have this relationship with us. But because of sin, because of our own just nature, we, we choose to go away from God. We choose to do things that hurt God, that are contrary to God's will and his character. We say that we want to worship ourselves. We are prideful. We decide to follow our own ways and our own devices. And because of that, we separate, we separate ourselves from God. And when we separate ourselves from God, we are due the wrath that is, upon, that is just and upon us. When somebody breaks a crime, when somebody, when somebody breaks a law, they, make a, they do a crime. And they are guilty. They are due punishment. And that's what we all are due. We're due punishment for the, the crimes that we have committed. The laws that we have broken are holy laws. They are laws that God put in place that are just 
perfectly showing his character and who he is. And that's what we are due. And even if we try to make ourselves better, we can go ahead and we can do that. We can say, I can try to make myself better. I'm going to come to church on Sundays. I'm going to bring my whole family. I'll tell everybody to come to church. But that doesn't mean anything. Coming to church is not going to mean anything if you don't understand what true salvation is. You need to admit, if you have not received the Lord Jesus, that you are lost and that you are in need of salvation. You are in need of mercy right now. You have to go before God and say, God, I can't do this. I can't, I can't save myself. I can't get myself out of this punishment that is due me. I need, I need something. I need, I need you to be, just give me just a chance. Give me something like that. That's the kind of heart that we need to have. But even then, it would not be possible if it wasn't for Jesus. You see, Jesus, before we even were born, while we were still sinners, he died for us. He came on this earth, and he died a death that was gruesome, horrible. But yet he took that place for us. The sins that should have been punished were on Jesus. And because that he died and he rose again, he conquered sin and he conquered the grave. We now have a chance. We now have that ability. If we just declare with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Today, confess it with your mouth. Declare it with your mouth. That word can mean also to concede to not refuse, to not deny the truth that's here, that Jesus is Lord, that he is God, that he knows you, that he created you, that he loves you so much that he would die on the cross for you. That's what we need to declare. Jesus, you are Lord. And now you need to believe that he was raised from the dead, that he did it, that he actually was on that cross, was buried in the tomb, and that did rise from the dead. Believe it in your heart. And it's not just a kind of like a temporary belief. Oh, I believe a little bit. No, 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 no. It's I believe it. I'm deeply convicted by it. I'm deeply convicted that I was a sinner that was in need of salvation and that Christ came and died on the cross for me. That's what you need to be deeply convicted of. If everyone can please stand. During the fellowship time, we're going to have um, Pastor Jared and Cynthia, they're going to be here. If you want to receive Jesus or if you want to uh, just go deeper with God, they'll be here to pray with you or to talk to you. But let's pray for those who just want to make it right with God. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your great mercy and grace. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much because you, you did what no one in the history could do, God. You did what no one in their own effort and strength could do, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, in this place. And I ask you that you would meet hearts, that you would see hearts right now, that you would pierce with your word and your spirit right now deeply. Those who are just visiting or those who have, are coming back or who are just trying it out, God, I pray that you just convict them right now, that you would show their true state and your true grace, Lord. Have your way, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
as I said, they'll be there to pray with you. And we just want to, we just want to be able to lead you to Jesus. That's a part of our, our, our strategy and our vision, just to connect you to God. But right now we're going to recite our confession of faith. We do this every week because this is our Christian worldview. We believe this. This is what unites us as a body of Christ. So on a count of three, we're going to repeat it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Awesome. You guys can fellowship.
right, all right. All the mingling, I love it. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Come on, we are excited to see you. Welcome to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all the leaders, thank you for joining us, especially if this is your first time here. We welcome you back. Get plugged in. We love to see and greet all of you every time we get together. If you cannot feel the love already, you will feel it eventually. Just open up your heart. We love to give love bombs. Our service is here every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. So that's our youth group. And they're blowing it up for Jesus. And they're just loving on their community, their, their friends, just preaching the gospel. So we're excited about what God is doing here. Our summer retreat is right around the corner. We are so pumped. We would just want to let you guys know today is the last day to register and pay. So get your information in. Go to the website. Click on register now. Make it happen. And we look forward to seeing you guys all there, having some fun in the sun, getting away from the city, and just enjoying each other's company. It's going to be so much fun. Again, the dates are July 31st through August 1st, a Friday and a Saturday overnight, spending the, the night at the hotel, all day out at the park. We could go canoeing, volleyball, rock climbing, boulder climbing, just a whole bunch of stuff. So we're looking forward to this time. Our vision here at Metro Praise is loving God and loving people. From the day we started the church, that has never changed. This whole page right here has always been the same, so we're saying it every single week. If this is, if this is your first time here, this is the first time you're going to hear it, and you'll never stop hearing it. And if you've been here for the past 10 years, you've been hearing it every week for the past 10 years. So we love it. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that God gave to us. And our discipleship strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Somebody say connect. The way we want to connect you here at this church is through our life groups. We want to connect you to people, connect you to Jesus. If you turn your handout paper around, you can see the schedule that we have for this quarter. July, August, and September, this is the schedule. We really want to encourage all families, especially the new ones that are coming in. Find a place to belong. Plug your families in. There's so much happening at Metro Praise throughout the week. And this, this is a place to connect and build lasting friendships. So here's a snapshot of what's happening starting today. Sunday, today we have the single men and women meeting, ages 18 to 35, 4 p.m. here at the church. So let's kick it off, single people. Also today, our marriage group is meeting. Come on, married folks. Child care is provided there. They're meeting at 5.30. The address is made available. Wednesday, we have the Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group. Come on, elevators. 11 to 18 years old, meeting at the church at 6 p.m. Every Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, Boys, Boys Club and Girls Club, ages uh, infant to 11 years old. Parents, drop off your children at 6.30 this is a time for them to get discipled, to earn their badges, to learn the, the Bible songs and the Bible stories. It's a powerful time for the children. So have, have a free night. Let us love on your children, disciple them, and teach them about Jesus. Uh, Friday, we have two adult Bible studies that happen every week. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. Spend some time getting into the Word. It's ages 18 and up, 7 p.m. You got to be there if you're in that age group or else you're missing out. So go there, get some fellowship, find out more about God, how to walk strong in Him and be faithful. Saturday, we have our evangelism team that meets here at the church at 5 p.m. every week. And Saturday, the Ambassadors, Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, they are meeting. 
So God's, God's blowing it up. We're growing life groups. People are growing. We want you guys to be a part of it. So connect. Then we want to mentor you. Our leaders are ready to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to your new life, to do this with you one-on-one, -on -one, to encourage you in your walk with God, to challenge you, to keep on going. When you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class called Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we're going to equip you to be a leader in the church, in your workplace, wherever you are, that you can shine for God and be trained. And our goal is to continue to send you out to win more people. And our goal ultimately is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that by God's grace, say amen. And we want you all to be a part of that number because God is doing awesome things in our lives, in our midst, in this community. Um, it's just amazing. And we just all do our part. We can see God's kingdom on this earth. Come on, come on. At this time, we're going to get ready to learn about offerings. Who's excited to learn about offerings? We've been all in this section two of the Disciples Giving book. You can follow along on the screen. We are in lesson 14. Offerings reveal where our treasures are. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. We're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. This is the last lesson of this section, so get ready for a new section next week. But this, we're closing out all the lessons about offerings, giving to God above our tithe, above the 10%. If you're there, say, I'm there in Matthew chapter 6. Nobody's there. Okay, you just look right up there and you'll follow along. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Somebody say heaven. heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's learn the three main points from that verse. Number one, treasures on earth don't last. How many of you guys can testify to that? Things here don't last forever. Whatever you store up down here will be destroyed. So don't allow worldly treasure to have your heart. Our heart has to be in the kingdom of God, and we want his kingdom to be here. And the only way that we could ha that could happen is if our vision is 2020 with God. So every time we make a deposit into the kingdom of God through financial giving, that's what's happening. We're storing up for ourselves treasures on, in heaven. Number two, store up heavenly treasures. Use your earthly wealth to support the work of God so you will be rewarded with or eternal treasures in heaven. How many of you guys want to be re rewarded when you get up there? That's how that's going to happen. We need to make deposits into the kingdom of God. Number three, treasures determine your heart. Wherever you store your treasure is, wherever you store your treasure is where your heart is. Therefore, what you do now will determine your eternal destiny. Here's a summary. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven by being a giver. Somebody say, be a giver. Let's apply this. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, live a life of generosity. We cannot outgive God. And number three, believe one day you will be rewarded for all your acts of love and sacrifice. God sees and watches everything that we do. And if it's going to honor him, we will be rewarded in, in his presence one day. Let's confess this over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. 
Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If you're ready to give to the Lord this morning, please stand up to your feet with me. We're going to prepare to give God our best. Again, here at MPI, we believe that the tithe is 10% of your total income, and anything above that is an offering where we designate towards missions and building. And currently, we are in a building fund to raise the monies for our Lit Up Metro Praise International Church sign to go right across our storefront. Come on, give it up. We're, we're a team. We're doing it together, and we're going to see so many awesome things of what God is going to do in the city and throughout the nation. So thank you for partnering with this church because it's all for God's glory. We have two options to make it convenient for you to give offerings with the card. We have online giving and also in the back. If you have any questions about that, you can see myself or Pastor Griselda. We would be more than willing to help and assist you. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6:38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your generosity. We thank you for calling us to be co-laborers with you. We thank you for your blessings in our lives. We want to be blessed to be a blessing. So use our gift, this tithe and this offering that we lay before you today, God. Let it bring a, a, a pleasing sacrifice to you. I pray that you would use it to multiply your kingdom in the city and throughout the nations. May we continue to have a generous heart, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you continue to bless your people, meet their needs according to your glorious riches. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you for your generosity. Ishmael, just give us a moment. All right, how many are ready for a baby dedication? <laughs> Make some noise. I'm going to ask that Destiny and destiny I'm, I'm sorry i'm looking at this as i'm walking i'm going to ask that desiree and Vinny would come up here please Den desiree and Vinny would come with avery we're going to dedicate avery lynn mersad to the lord what a beautiful child would you do me a favor put that to the side thank you you know the bible talks about us dedicating our children to god as an act of obedience and look how beautiful she is. Look at her. Look at her. Oh. Is there a story behind the name Avery? No story? What about Lynn? Any? No, no story behind that? Just like the way it sounds. Well, today, 
what's special about Vinnie and Desiree is that Desiree had children before she had married Vinnie. And Vinnie had made a decision that not only would he want to start a new family and have uh, children with Desiree, but that he would also adopt the children of Desiree and bring them into his life to be a father. And would you just say something special about each one of the children that you have brought into your life? Yeah, I'll, they can come up. Chandler, come on. Hey, grab, bring your brother. <laughs> oh, we don't have Abby with us. She's and he's on his Kindle. <laughs> okay, so... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Des and I started uh, hanging out a while back, and I, I met Kayla and Abby, and Liam actually wasn't here yet. And, um, I mean, Kayla's just a just a joy. You know, she's uh, uh, very fun and uppity, you know what I mean? And, uh, I mean, there's it's always fun <laughs> when Kayla's around, that's for sure. And, uh, I mean, Liam's, that's that's my only boy. That's my dude. So uh, if there's any, anything, I mean, you're talking – you know, fighting or whatever the case is, that's 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 the guy I go to. So he he definitely has my heart, and he uh, um, he took it a long time ago. And then we got this little one, and she's just brand new and lovely. What's the middle one's name? Abigail. Abigail. And I thought what was special is when you guys got married, you gave Abigail and Kayla a ring, didn't you? Can you talk about that? Maybe that would encourage some of the single moms here, or someone that's you know going through something like that. Well, um, I just I just knew when I was marrying, you know, Des, I was, uh, you know, I was marrying into the uh, Kayla and Abigail and Liam. So, uh, but as far as uh, Kayla and Abby are concerned, I just wanted to let them know that uh, I'm not just like concerned about me and your mom and a, a new family. Like, you guys are just as much a part of that, important to me as any other children will have. So I just gave them a ring and wrote them, you know, my own vows to them. Amen. That's awesome. Can I hold her? I don't see. I don't usually hold the babies, but I want to see if I can hold her. Can I you hold got you? This. You got can this. I hold? She's good. She's chill. So we're gonna pray for her. I normally don't try to hold her. She looked so <laughs> comfortable and like she was gonna be nice. So let me just pray. Father, we pray today for Avery Lynn. We ask that you bless her. May she know you all the days of her life. May she grow up strong, God. Protect her. Keep her safe. Give her wisdom. Help her to choose the right friends, God. And, Lord, as she gets older, God, may she always stay in your path. May she never depart, God. And as she uh, finds herself in love one day, having a family, may she be able to um, exemplify that which she was taught as a little girl. Because, God, you promised to Desi and to Vinny that their children and their children's children would be blessed. So we pray a generational blessing all the way God, from her to her children and even to her children's children. And now, Lord, we also lift up to you, Vinny. I pray that you bless him to continue to be a father, to do all the good you've called him to do. He's a father of four today, God, and that could be overwhelming for anybody. But, Lord, we know that you have the strength that he needs. So, Lord, I pray you continue to use him as a father and as a husband. And, God, for Desiree, we thank you, God that she has brought forth these children with joy from her heart and that, Lord, she is homeschooling. She's raising them on her on her own without the help of the public school. And, um, God, together, God, they are doing what you called us to do. Not all of us can homeschool, God, but they're, they're doing it to their best of their ability. And I just pray you give Desi strength to be a mom, a teacher, and to uh, provide and to do all that she can do 
that she can ensure the success of all of her children as well as brand new baby Avery, Lord. And we thank you for them and we bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody says, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for this beautiful family? Look at her. She's so nice. Look at her. Thank you for letting me hold you. You're so precious. Amen, amen. Open up your Bibles with me. Oh, you know what? I'm going to let you sing a little bit. Everybody, let's stand to our feet. Let's let the band just introduce this sermon series right here. Come on. Come on. Uh, uh. What you saying? All about that grace, about that grace. No, no devil. devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No, no devil. devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. We all about that grace. Come on, bop your shoulder. Go. We all about that grace, about that grace. No, no devil. devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. All about that grace. No devil. Freestyle or what? About that grace. No, no devil. devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. Yeah. I walked around a little bit. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Good to see everybody here this morning. Somebody say it's all about that grace. Amen, amen. Let's do it. We are having a summer of grace. This is a uh, passage that we've been looking at, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, this whole summer, and we're going to keep rocking it out. One of the best passages in the Bible, and I want you this week to meditate on the book of Ephesians. You know, remember I showed you that you could go and download the whole book of Ephesians or listen to it from a sermon player. I hope that you're doing that, so I'm reminding you of the whole book of Ephesians. Everybody say grace. Thank you. The whole book of Ephesians is about grace. Let's look at this um, portion right here, and then we'll get into today's message. For it is by what? Thank you. For it is by grace you have been saved through? Thank you. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Everybody say masterpiece. As another version says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, this passage is highlighting the grace of God. It's saying that when we are saved, we're not saved by the good works that we do. We're saved by the good work of Jesus on the cross. So when you and I are thinking about salvation, we shouldn't think, I do these things and I got salvation, or because of those things I got salvation. When we are thinking about salvation, we should think of it in the terms of what Christ did for me. So don't think of your walk with God as a religious work. Think of it as a relationship. Don't think of doing religion. Think of having a relationship. Because of what Jesus did, you now can be saved. And as long as you're with him, you're saved. So imagine when you uh, think about salvation, imagine you being on the ocean, about ready to drown, and Jesus saying, hey, do you want to come in this, uh, this boat with me and I'll save you? And, he's, and you say, okay, Jesus, I'll get on this boat. Now, when you get on that boat, he says, I got some things I want you to do when you're on this boat. Number one, I don't want you to kill anybody on this boat, okay? I don't want you to steal from anybody on this boat. How many think that's a good illustration, right? 
Now, as long as you're on that boat, Jesus is saving you. Let's say you accidentally slap your neighbor upside the head, and then Jesus says, don't do that. You have the chance to repent. So Christians could sin, but they shouldn't. But even if they do, they can be forgiven. Is everybody with me? But at some point, if you think that you're saving yourself, if you think like you're going to tell Jesus, say, Jesus, I got the boat thing pretty good now. I think I can handle this. I'm going to wear the captain's hat. Jesus is going to say, well, try to save yourself again, but outside of the boat. So now go back to this state and try to save yourself, and you'll go right back to sinking and drowning. And so sometimes in Christianity, we do some good things for a while. We're hanging out with God. We stop doing a lot of bad things, and we may get the mindset that now I'm saving myself. And so in that illustration, you need to understand you can't save yourself. Anything good that you've already done in salvation is because of him. And if you try to save yourself, it's like jumping out of the boat to start over again, and then you'll realize how lost you are. Now, for some of you in the illustration of this swimming thing uh, uh, and this boat thing may say, well, I can swim. But you see, the sin will weigh you down. So now imagine trying to swim with weight tied around your neck. That is how you're drowning in this illustration. Is everybody with me? So the boat of salvation is passing by the world today. And Jesus is offering salvation to all. And he's not saying, do good works, paddle alongside for a little bit and show me that you're worthy. He is simply saying, take my right arm and come with me. Turn to Isaiah 53 and you'll see about the right hand of the Lord. The arm of the Lord is stretched out to you to get you to save you. That's what it means to be saved by grace through faith. You have to trust him. Look at this part right here that the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 53. He says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So if I could just get you to grab my arm right here, you know, like some people like help me up. See, this is the arm of the Lord. Amen. Bam. Go and grab it. Let's do that again. Let's do some Holy Ghost aerobics. Boom. Okay. Almost brought me down that second time. That's all right. That's all right. I'm going to play it off. That's salvation. You're drowning. The weight of sin is upon you. Go back to the notes, please. The weight of sin is upon you. You are going to die and go to hell. That's the bottom line. The Bible says that's the truth. If you want to argue with that, you'd have to argue with the justice system of God. But as the boat is passing by, Jesus is having mercy. He's saying, do you want to be saved? Do you want to believe the gospel message through faith? So if you go, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for the sins that are drowning me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to wash me clean for the things that have made me dirty and filthy. What does he do? Bam, brings you up out and saves you. And here's a better even illustration. You're not drowning in water, crystal clear ocean water. You're drowning in the sewage water of, of sin. So you stink and you're filthy. Everybody get that in your mind for a little bit, right? Has anybody here ever drove by a sewage plant before or at least seen them? They're nasty. They smell bad, right? So you are drowning. The weight of sin is upon you, and Jesus pulls you up, and he cleans you by faith. Now, here's the good part is that now as this boat of salvation is going forward, God is giving you good works to do. God has given you good works to do. And the way you do the good works is by the transformation of heart and character that he has done in your life. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 33. Everybody say a new heart. You see, God has promised us a new heart. See, sometimes we think that Christianity is me serving God, Ezekiel 36 rather. It's me serving God with my old heart, and God is now trying to get me to help myself to have a new heart. But salvation is not a lifelong process. Salvation is an instantaneous rebirth. 
You're not being saved. You are saved. You're not being born again. You are born again. You're not coming to life. You are alive. And in contrast to that, you're either dead, lost, and destroying yourself. So if you're not saved... You're lost and being destroyed. If you're not born again, you're dead. If you can't see, you're blind. Are you with me? There is no in-between gray area. You're either alive or you're dead. You're blind or are you see. You're either being destroyed or you're being or, or you are you're being destroyed or you are saved. Past tense. Everybody say saved. Now look at this with me. I'll do it here, uh, gentlemen. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, somebody say land. Yeah. This is something extra. These aren't in the notes right here. I'm just getting this as I'm sharing this with you. Look at what the other prophet says here. Let's start in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 and onward. The prophet says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. Now, this is a promise that's going to happen for Israel in the last days. But as it goes with Israel, so it goes with the people of God because we have been engrafted into the people of Israel. Is everybody tracking with that? We are not Jewish people by birth, you know, unless you are, you are, but th those of us who are not. But we get to be in their blessing. We get the blessing of Abraham. So where is the kingdom of God coming when Jesus comes back? To Jerusalem, to Israel. Are you with me? So as this promise is to them, it is to us. Look what he says, verse 25. I will sprinkle you clean, I will, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from how many of your impurities? All of your impurities and from all your idols. Now, I don't know if you know there's still idolatry popular in the land, but it's not Buddha, Krishna, not here at least. The idols that we have is sports and entertainment and our job and our 401K, these things that we place before God, our boats, our lake cottage, these things we place before his church. These have become idols, and Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I will sprinkle you, I will remove all impurities, and I will take away your idols. Now look at Ezekiel 30, uh, verse 26 of 36, chapter 36. He says, I will give you a what? A new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Everybody say a new heart. You see, that was prophesied in the Old Testament that God would give us a new heart and that he would give us new flesh. But I want you to see here that this prophecy is fulfilled in the book of Hebrews. Everybody go to the book of Hebrews. Go to the book of Hebrews, and I want you to see the prophecy being fulfilled of getting a new heart. How many believe that Jesus gives a new heart? Amen. Everybody say this is just the intro to the intro. We haven't even got to the introduction. Go to Hebrews 10, 16. Hebrews 10, 16. Look at it in your Bible. Just don't take this pastor's word for it. Here, the author of Hebrews is quoting the Old Testament prophets. And look at what he says will happen. Starting in verse 15 of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 15. Look at what the author says. The Holy Spirit testifies to us, and he says this. This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. And then he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And that also comes from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah and Ezekiel were both prophets that spoke of a new heart, of a new life, of a new beginning. Now going back to this series text on what we're learning in this summer of grace, look at the first part. For it is by grace you have been what? 
Now what is saved mean according to what we've learned? A new heart, cleansed from all impurities, a new spirit. That's what it means. It means that God writes his laws upon you. So go back to this illustration. You are saved from drowning in your own sin in the cesspool of the devil. You are cleansed, purified from all iniquity. And then when you are brought into that boat, he gives you a new heart. A heart to want to obey his commands. A spirit to desire what God desires. Now, this is where I have to question some of you who say you're saved because some of you don't look saved, you don't act saved, and you certainly don't have a testimony of salvation. If you're saying to me you're saved but you don't have a new heart, you might have been saved from Walmart uh, in, in getting a, a credit card a bill or something, you know, uh, or overpaying something at the store. You might have been saved from going in debt or something, but you weren't saved from sin, the devil, and hell from God. If you're saying to me today, Pastor, I still desire sin, and this sin is a desire innate and in me, it's in me, then my friend, I don't think you're saved. Now, would you rather me tell you a lie that you are saved, and then you look at the Bible and you see salvation so different from you, and then you get confused, or would you rather me tell you the truth and just honestly tell you, you're not saved? Now, we could all go to the gym today, and I could say all of you could bench 300 pounds, and then put the 300 pounds on the bar and lift it up for you and then let it drop on all of your chest until someone here who actually could bench 300 pounds could lift it. But would it be worth watching all of you crush your chest? See, don't play with God. Are you saved or are you not saved? See, I take God at his word. I'm just being 100% honest with you. If it doesn't work, I wouldn't be your pastor. The reason why I'm a pastor today and I'm preaching is because God changed me and put a new heart in me. The day that I got saved, I never did drugs again because God put a new heart in me. The day I got saved, I never had sex outside of marriage again because God put a new heart in me. I never cussed again two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, because I had to learn that I still wasn't that person. But you see, my heart was changed. The first time I cussed somebody out as a Christian, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed that God said, is that the life you want to live? I said, no, God. He said, don't ever do that again. That's not you. You see, we can laugh at me. I get it. It's okay. But the point is, did you feel that way when you cussed out somebody? If you didn't, does the Holy Spirit live within you? You see, because the Bible says you have been saved, and this is what God has done. You're his handiwork, past tense. This means God has made you his masterpiece, created, past tense, in Christ Jesus. If you're like, well, Jesus is still working on me. Jesus is still working on me. You've believed the devil's lie. Jesus is not in a 30-year renovation plan with you. He's not like some of these people's houses I've been to. It's always jacked up and messed up, and they go, I'm just renovating, I'm just renovating. No, your house is just tore up and you're lazy. Stop telling me you're renovating for three years on this thing. Either get it done or stop saying it. Are you guys with me? Well, Jesus is just working on me. He's just working on me. No, you're playing religion. You're playing religion. There is a transformation of heart. Does it happen or does it not? The Bible says that's the evidence that we're supposed to have to our own self that God is real. That's the evidence I'm supposed to tell myself when I doubt who God is. I'm supposed to look at myself and go, man, if I don't see God anywhere else, I can see God in me. Turn with me to the book of 1 John if you don't believe me. Some of you are like, no, man, I didn't know I was supposed to look at myself and see God. Yes, if you're truly a Christian and you doubt God, you are to look at your life and say, man, how did all this change if it wasn't God? I can't doubt him. 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this world. Everybody say the intro to the intro. Come on, so are we in this world. Turn with me to 1 John. The chapter and verse is coming soon. 1 John 4, 17. Look at this passage and tell me what it means to you because you know what, sometimes you know I get the microphone, I talk fast, and people think maybe I'm, I'm faking the funk. I'm making it up as I go along. You tell me what this means, okay? I'll read you the passage, and then you tell me what it means. I want you to start with me. Uh, go ahead and just get it set up for me. Start in verse 16. I want you to start in verse 16, and I want you to read down here. And let's, Well, let's just start in verse 15. Let's see what it says. Look at this passage. I'll just read it to you. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Do you interpret that differently than how I just did in my heart as I read that? Let me tell you how I interpreted that. If anyone acknowledges Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. That's how I interpreted that. Did anybody interpret that different? Because a lot of times people are like, man, you got a different interpretation. No, I just think you can't read. I just think y'all can't read. How do you interpret that? That's how I interpret Let's keep going. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. How do I interpret that? I interpret that that I know and love, I know and rely on God's love. So if I've confessed Jesus is Lord, Jesus, you're my Lord, I confess it, I have faith, I believe in this historical event. I'm not believing in tooth fairies and unicorns, I believe in a very specific event. There was a man named Jesus who lived a sinless life 2,000 years ago, walked the streets of Palestine and Israel, he was crucified by the Roman government. He was then killed and buried in Joseph of Arimathea's grave. On the third day, he raised from the dead, visited 500 people for 40 days, and then ascended to heaven. I believe that historical event. That's what he's talking about. I believe, I acknowledge that, that he's the son of God. He ascended to heaven. Is everybody with me? That, that, that's the whole story. Death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Okay? So if I believe that, now I can know and rely upon the love of God. Why? Because I know God loved me. I know he died for me. I know he is who he said he is. He rose from the dead. That must mean he's coming back. You know, it, it, as, they, as he ascended, everybody's looking at him, and the angels goes, hey, don't just be looking up here. Get back to work because you've got to get the world ready because the same way he went up, he came down. How many would believe that? If you, if you watched a man ascend to heaven, two angels appear to you and say, just like he went up, he's coming down. Would you, have, would you doubt that? See, I don't doubt that because I believe their testimony. Now let's just keep going. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. How do you interpret that? Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Does everybody, is everybody with me? I'm not patronizing you. I'm just asking you to think in church. Take your time and read this with me. Now watch, here's where it gets real. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Can you get my laser in my office, please? It's the little one on top. This is how we will have confidence on the day of judgment. How are you and I supposed to be confident on the day of judgment? He's about ready to tell us. Do you want to be confident on the day you're judged by God? Do you want to be confident? What's the opposite of confidence? Fear? Doubt? So when I doubt God, I don't have confidence. Remember I, I said this before we went to this passage? How do I know that God is with me? I'm on God's side. How do I do that when I feel afraid or have doubts? How do I have confidence? Here we do. Here, here's where we go. Look at this. How do I have confidence? Right here in this simple part. In this world, we are like Jesus. If you're not like Jesus, you don't have no confidence to face him on judgment day. You should not have any confidence. If you're afraid right now of facing Jesus, you have a problem. 
because you don't understand salvation. You don't understand what God has did. And this is then the very next part. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, everybody say perfect love, drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. So if I truly know God, if I'm truly serving him, I'm not going to be afraid of him because I can look at my life and I can see as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Somebody say amen. amen. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Let me just highlight that part right there. Come on, help me, Jesus. Do I, I can just face the other way here today. Is that all right? Because I'm having fun with this. Okay, so if I say I know God, yet I hit my brother and sister, I'm a what? Okay, and let's just go up here. Let's just go back here to 1 John, uh, the first part of the book, because he says liar in another place. Let's look at this. Go to 1 John chapter 1 and look at this. It says, whoever says I know him, whoever says I know him, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 4, rather, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not uh, in that person. But if anyone obeys the word, love for God is truly made incom uh, complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. How do I know if I'm in Jesus? Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Well, nobody perfect like Jesus. Nobody perfect like Jesus. Nobody can really live like Jesus. Nobody going to live like Jesus because Jesus, Jesus was perfect. Right? I, I'm not Jesus. Come on, don't expect me to be Jesus. Well, you don't know Jesus then. Because if you knew Jesus, he would impart to you his new heart, his character, his love for his word, and he would transform your life. How many remember Fat Albert? Okay, Fat Albert. If Fat Albert said that he was training with Arnold Schwarzenegger, would you believe him? Put up a picture of Fat Albert for me, please. I'll be training with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be going every day to the gym. Look at me. Do you think Fat Albert? Hey, hey, hey. Do you think Fat Albert? Would that be true? Now, you may, you, you may try to find a way around this and say, well, maybe, maybe he knows Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's training a different way. Maybe he's training for an all-you-can-eat buffet contest. But, but I'm saying let, let's take it for real. Let's just take it for real. If, if you met Fat Albert and he said, oh, I've been training with Arnold Schwarzenegger. How long have you been training with him? Well, I've been training with him for two years. Would you believe him? Okay. What if you met somebody just broke as a joke, and they say, oh, man, I'm one of the founders of Facebook. I'm one of the founders. And, and, and they tell you, man, I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. But every time you go out to McDonald's with them, they're asking you to borrow a dollar. They're asking you for this. Now, once again, you may think to yourself, this is like working at McDowell's with Coming to America and Eddie Murphy. But I'm just saying, just, just practically speaking. <laughs> so we got this dude, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now put up Fat Albert for me, please. Why are there Christians saying they're Christians, but they don't live like Christ? Why are there Christians, but don't live like God? This book does not give you the opportunity to say you know him, but not live like him. This book does not give you that wiggle room. This book sets the plan for you quite simply. If you know him, you obey him. You know him, you're a new person. You're confident on the day of judgment. I'm ready to meet God. I'm ready to meet God. There we go. Hey, hey, hey. This is the Saturday Night Live version. So if this gentleman tells me, oh, I train out with Arnold Schwarzenegger every day, I'm like, you're a liar. 
Are you telling me you founded Facebook? You're broke as a joke. You're a liar. You say you know my God, but you live like this. You have no conviction in your heart. This book calls you a liar. Y'all came to church to be called liars, or did you come to church to live for Jesus? How many want to live for Jesus? It's not complicated. How do you, inter- how do you, how do you it, please help me, somebody, because, yes, I am getting my doctorate. I have to go to class in two weeks to sit down with a lot of very smart people with a whole lot of things before their names and, you know, and all these accolades. But I just want to understand what this means. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Does that have any little asterisk next to it and say, well, men, you don't have to live like Jesus did when you go to BigHooters.com because God understands you've got to let it out sometimes. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? All oh, you young adults, you having so much fun in Chicago, man. It's taste for Chicago. Go get drunk. Is that what it says? I understand. Potty mouth. Does Jesus, anybody ever remember Anchorman? And he's like, potty mouth. Why you poo-poo? You got poo-poo in your mouth? Is that what Jesus is saying to you? I, I just don't know why you have poo-poo potty in your mouth. Listen. There's, there's no asterisk next to this. Well, what if the Supreme Court legalizes my sin? The Supreme Court and you are going to hell. That's what it means. So Supreme Court says same sex is a good thing. Doesn't matter. God says you'll go to hell for that. Period. Bam. There it is. Well, you, you, talked, you scared me. You made me upset. So what? I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm here to tell you what Jesus said. Now, here's the good news. If you don't like sin, you'll like Jesus. If you like sin, you won't like Jesus. If I like mistreating my wife, my wife won't hang out with me very long. How long do you think I can cheat on her before my wife goes, you're not the one that I want to be married to? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Still say the intro to the intro. It's going to get good, so hang in here with me. But pastor got to get a little tough today i got to help some of you all out because the Bible's right whether I agree with it or not. Let me ask you a question. My sister died drinking and driving. How many of you have had some real loss in your life? How many have died tra- people have died tragically before their time? Come on. My sister died drinking and driving. When the police officer came to our family's house, do you think it would be a good thing for them to say, your, si- your daughter, Jenny, she just won the lottery? Now, my mom would be happy temporarily, wouldn't she? Oh, my goodness. That's what my mom would talk. I'm just like in a weird mood. This is how my mom would talk if she lived in my mind, okay? Oh, my goodness. Oh, she won the lottery. Oh, I'm so happy, okay? Think of that temporary happiness she would have. How would that end when she found out that the policeman was a coward, coward, unwilling to tell her the truth, and instead of telling her the truth, he tried to make her feel better and tell her a lie. How many know once she found out the truth, not only would she be more hurt because of the emotional roller coaster, but she would also be upset with that policeman. How many believe that? I mean, I mean do you believe it? How many people think they're going to be upset with some pastors on Judgment Day? Why didn't you tell me, Pastor? Why didn't you tell me what the Bible said? Why didn't you tell me this? You see, I'm here to tell you this because there's grace as we're going to get into today's message. We haven't got to the message, but the title of today's message is the throne of grace. 
There is a place for sinners to go to be forgiven, and there's a place for saints, new Christians, uh, believers in God, born-again people to go to when they do sin to keep their heart pure. There's a place to go. But there is no place to go if you love your sin and you want Jesus' blood to be what washes you so you can keep sinning. How many of you got something like this in your garage, a rag like this, but it's a whole lot dirtier than this? How many of you got something like that? Like when I cut the grass and I got some oil on my hands, I just wipe it off on that old rag, don't I? When I get done cutting the grass and I've got, uh, you know, the mess all over me, you know, sweat and grass particles and dirt, I'll take that rag and wipe it on me like that. How many got a rag like that? How many would wash your baby before she went to bed with that rag? You see, some of us use the grace of God like that dirty rag. We say, God, oh, I know I sinned today, but I don't care. I'll sin again just to, just to be forgiven, just to sin again, just to be forgiven. I'll sin again just to be forgiven, and your rag will be there when I need it. Let's see if that's what the Bible says. If we deliberately keep on sinning, Hebrews 10, 26, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Does that sound like grace is just a dirty rag to keep wiping your hands on to say, well, Jesus understands. He knows nobody's perfect. He knows I'm just a sinner. Oh, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Is that what the Bible's saying? It says, so as he is, you are to be in this world. If you know him, you'll obey him. If you love him, you'll keep his commands. But if you keep on sinning after you know the truth and you think it's going to work in your favor, this is what you have as an expectation. How many have some expectations in life? You have expectations? How many want to get a raise? Amen. How many want to have good family? How many have expectations? How many know this is one you don't want to have? He says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. Somebody say, without mercy. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and has treated as an unholy thing, uh, roll it up for me a little bit, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and has insulted the spirit of grace. This is grace to some people. Just a dirty rag so I can keep living dirty. That's not what Jesus came to give us. You trample on the grace of God. You trample on that. You treat it as an unholy thing. You insult the spirit of God. This is the biblical promise for you. You can put this on your pillow every night and have this as a biblical promise. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Well, I'm not like them. You see, we think on judgment day, we're going to be compared to Hitler. Like God's going to say, man, you are so awesome. You know, I know that you had a lot of issues going on with your sin, but you know what? At least you weren't Hitler. No, no, no. The Lord will judge his people compared to the perfect reflection of Christ, who we were supposed to be like. And then it says, it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. What, what kind of a thing is it? Please go back to the notes. How many are ready for the message? Go back to the message. You all ready? You all scared? Some of you all scared need to get right with God. Amen. I'm not scared. I'm happy. I'm happy for that day. I'm so serious. I'm happy for that day. Well, you're just prideful. No, I'm saved. I'm in the boat. You can be saved too. All you pastors think you're perfect. I'm perfect in Christ. That's right. That's what I, my, my perfection's in Christ. Where do you want me to get it from? 
Where are you getting your life from? See, everybody gets their life and their agendas and their things from somebody. And if you say, I got it from myself, why have you got the clothes you got on? Did you design those? You got those from somebody. Why are you talking English instead of Tagalog? See, you got that from somebody. Why are you driving this car instead of riding a horse and buggy? You got it from somebody. You ain't self-made. You're a self-made mess. Stop pretending. I don't care how much money you have, how much education you have. You're just a rat in a rat race without Christ. The Bible says, you know what man is? The glory of man, Donald Trump. You know what God says he is? He's a little blade of grass coming up in the noonday sun that will have his foolishness and all that he ever has value burn up. You know what the Bible says the greatest among us are? <sighs> a vapor of smoke. Don't deceive yourself. Do not think you will outsmart God. Don't think that I'm lying to you. Study it out. Talk to our leaders. Ask yourself these questions. What is God saying in these passages? Because this is the truth, my friends. I'm staking my life on it. So even if we still disagree, at least you can say, hey, Pastor Joe, I think he believes what he's saying. You met a man who believes what he says. I'm not a hypocrite. I laid down my life by this. And if I couldn't preach it and live the example, I would hand the mic to one of these young men and say, you keep going. Because one thing I will not be and I refuse to be is a hypocrite. Is everybody with me on that? Amen. Let's look at the passage uh, here for the introduction. Everybody say, let's get rid of it. Here we go. Throne of grace. Today's message is the throne of grace. That's why we all need it. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was a graphic picture of God's grace and his judgment. The judgment seat was seen as animals were sacrificed because of Israel's sin. However, God's grace was displayed. Somebody say his grace. When the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, there at that mercy seat, it was an ancient picture of what the Bible calls the throne of grace, which is made available because of Jesus. God the Father was demonstrating back then that there would come a time when God the Son would come and be the once and for all sacrifice for our sins to make a way not only for the Jewish people but for all mankind to come and receive grace and mercy. Today's sermon, what you're here listening, is aimed at teaching you to respond to the invitation to the Father and come to the throne of grace. There you will find his abundant mercy and grace in your time of need. This is what it looked like in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant. This part right here was called the mercy seat. Outside of the, the tent, the priests would slaughter animals, judgment, animals would die, blood would be shed. Most of us city folk don't know nothing about that. We don't know where that hamburger came from. Let me tell you, that hamburger came from a bloody mess. It came from a slaughter of an animal the decapitation of an animal, the cutting away of its skin. Are you listening? And it tastes so good, doesn't it? How many have family and friends from farms and you're like, that's how I like it, amen? Right from the slaughterhouse to my plate, praise God. My grandpa would get bunnies out from the woods. He would catch them with little carrots. Then he would take them by their tails, whip them against a tree and knock them out cold. Then while they were still alive with their heart beating, he would nail them to a tree, skin them alive and decapitate blood flowing out and feed it to his dog. <laughs> That's how animals are meant for food. Y'all think I'm a pastor that I'm crazy. I'm just telling you, look it up. My grandpa would be throwing off chunks of meat, the head, the feet, everything to the dog. That's how animals are killed and sacrificed in the Old Testament. It wasn't a pretty picture. 
The priests were butchers, slaughtering animals for meat, for food, but taking the most best part, the filet mignons, putting it on an altar and setting it on fire, and God said he loved that. It was a sweet aroma to his nostrils. Our yoga pant-wearing vegetarian culture has a problem with that. But my God loves the smell of sizzling meat on, on Sabbath. Amen. We ain't ashamed. <laughs> you clap for that. This is only Metro praise. This is only right here. Do we talk about hellfire, sizzling meat, God being pleased and all this, and we just clapping? Because you know why we know it's true. It's like we, we're not clapping for 2 plus 2 being 5 today. We're clapping because 2 plus 2 is 4, and we're inviting the world to come. Amen? So that would be a bloody mess. Well, what was that showing us? What was God showing us at the butchering there at the altar? That things die when you sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were buck naked. They tried to clothe themselves with trees. An animal had to die. Jesus, uh, Jesus came, killed the first animal for their sacrifice and clothed them with animal skin. Animals have been dying ever since then to the time of Jesus. When Jesus came, he came to be the lamb slain. When they would take the special time of the year during, during Yom Kippur, the time of sacrifice and repentance unto God, they wouldn't do it with bulls and all of these things. They would pick a lamb. You know why? Because the lamb would be the most innocent. You would look at this lamb and say, my goodness, it's innocent. It has done nothing. But then that priest would place his head on the lamb and he would pronounce the sins of his people on that lamb. The sins of perversion, of thievery, of injustice of adultery, of homosexuality, of lying, of thievery. They would pronounce the sin and then they would slaughter it for all to see. And then they would walk through the tent into what they had called church, the tabernacle, and they would do some more religious works, but then they would pass through another place called the veil into the Holy of Holies where this Ark of the Covenant was. And then they would take the blood of that lamb and they would have a branch from a tree, a hyssop tree, which would just be like a weeping willow tree to us. It was just a normal tree, but they would dip the blood, uh, dip the, the branches of that tree in that blood, and they would throw it on that altar. And they would say, God, have mercy on us. When you read the Bible, you see that there's a place of mercy for us. And it's through the blood of Jesus. It's not so that we stay in sin. It's so that we get free from sin. And this is the question that I want to ask you as we get ready to the message. And the message is a lot shorter than the introduction, trust me. But I want to ask you this. This is a serious question for this culture. It's serious. And take me serious here. Are you done with sin yet? You see, because in our culture, we have gotten so used to dancing with the devil and trying to dance with God. And we've realized that we fulfilled neither vow. You're not good to the devil and you're not good to, the, to God. That's why he says the lukewarm gets spit out of his mouth. If you want to live for the devil, then deny your God and acknowledge him. That's what the Bible says. Be clear where you stand. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you serving that idol? Just tell us. Stop branding yourself as a Christian and being a hypocrite. You only make God's people look bad. I would rather there be 10 real Christians in here than 100 hypocrites. Are you listening to me? And I'll explain what it means to sin as a Christian. Christians who sin are not hypocrites. Christians who say they don't sin and pretend they never have sinned, that's the hypocrite. I'm saying I'm righteous in Christ, but when I don't act like it, this is where I come to be forgiven. I don't hide it, and I don't say it's okay. Are you with me? 
this throne of grace is seen in the book of Hebrews. Go there with me quickly to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. If you're excited about Jesus and learning about grace today, say amen. I wish I could sit next to you and tickle all of you and say I still love you. But listen, I'm not here just to tickle you. I'm here to make sure you understand the word of God. How many are learning something today? Okay, here it is. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. If you're there, say I'm there. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has, descended in, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Who is our high priest ascended into heaven? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Remember we use that example of being saved by faith from Ephesians. Imagine you being in that boat and you just holding on to the boat, holding on to salvation. You're not letting it go. You're not leaving. That's what it says. Hold on to your faith. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, um, to emphasize, em empathize, thank you, empathize, empathize. Everybody say empathize. Thank you. <laughs> unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Does he empathize with us? Does he know your weaknesses? See, when he sees you weak, about ready to sin, does he have empathy for you? Yes. But does he say, go ahead and sin? See, I empathize with my daughter when she faces peer pressure. Well, they were telling me scary stories, and that's why I like scary stories. No, no, Bethany, we don't listen to scary stories. Yeah, but so-and-so was telling me scary stories. See, I empathize with her. I get it. I get it. You're here. This is your friend. There's a draw. I empathize, but I don't say it's okay. See, God is saying, I understand you're a man. I understand you got needs. <laughs> I understand that sometimes you want to relieve yourself. But if you ain't married, you just need to go to bed and let your body do it all by itself. Hello. And I know there's women in here same way. And you need to let God take care of your needs. God empathizes with us not always having money. But he says, always put my tithe first and seek first my kingdom. God's not saying, I want you broke, busted, and disgusted. Matter of fact, I've never seen true Christians ever break for bread other than those who are persecuted being brought to slaughter, and that's a different scenario. But free men in free countries serving God, tithing, I've never seen them be broke, busted, and disgusted. As a matter of fact, some of the most wealthiest people I've been around are some of the most biggest givers. Even the secular world teaches us that. You look at Oprah, Bill Gates, they give away all of this money, and they had a lifestyle of giving even before they were rich. Giving is a principle of life. It makes you rich both inwardly and outwardly. But God empathizes with people who say, man, my bills are so tight. But God says, I empathize, but still obey. Give your tithe. Be honest and serve me. Break the power of money off your life. Make money work for you. Don't work for money. Set your heart on me, and I'll provide what you need. That's how our nation was established. That's why on that dollar, until they take it off, it still says, in God we trust. Stop trusting in it. The people who made the economy what it was, the people who developed our treasury told you, don't trust in this. Don't be duped by the love of money. The Bible says root to all kinds of evil. You all with me? God emphasizes with us. But we have one who has, excuse me, we have a high priest who is un. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one, look at this, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Have you ever been tempted with homosexuality, lesbianism, menage à trois? Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. You ever been tempted to slap somebody? 
You ever been tempted to beat up somebody? Jesus was tempted to do that, but he did not sin. You ever been tempted to lie, to steal, to covet, to be greedy? Jesus was tempted in that way, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. How many ways? Is there any temptation that we have ever faced that he has not faced? He understands. Even the despicable temptations to touch a child, to hurt an old person. Satan threw every single attack at Jesus. And Jesus did not sin. Jesus did not sin. That is your high priest. He emphasizes with you, empathizes with you. Thank you. This just shows you I'm human, so you can empathize with me. Do you empathize with me? I feel so sorry for him. He can't pronounce words. Is he always like that? Somebody needs to help him. Let us then, watch this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may keep on sinning and do everything the opposite of what he did? No, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. To do what? To not sin like him. So we go to him to ask for help so we don't sin. So the one who walked the earth and did not sin says, I've got a throne where I've already paid for your sins, and you can ask me for help so you don't have to keep sinning. So the question is, do you want to keep sinning? That, that's, that's the bottom line. Jesus is not going to play games with you. The man who's called in adultery says to his wife, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. I promise I'll never do it again. The wife says, well, give me, your, give me your phone so I can delete her number. No. no. I still need it because I work with her, but I'll never do it again. Well, let me talk to her. No. I don't want you to talk to her, but I promise I'll never do it again. I think that's how we are with God. We'll come up to this altar. Oh, God, I'm so sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry. Give me your heart and let me take the desire out. No, God, I'm just sorry for my sin. I'm just sorry. Well, give me your heart, and I'll take the desire. No, God, I, I, I still got the account on my website. I don't want to lose my account. Bighooters.com. Got a year subscription. I don't want to lose it. See, the Bible's serious, isn't it? The Bible's talking to sinners, and he's saying become saints. And we're saying, well, just let God work on me for a little bit. No, God says it happens today. Today's your day of salvation. Today's the day you're saved. Well, what about that old dirty heart, right? We all had a dirty heart before we came to Christ. Some of you may have enough. Well, what about that old dirty heart? Get it changed. Let Jesus change it. Let him save you from it. And let him make you new. That's the promise of Christ. He didn't say let's join the weight washers of spirituality. So you come in with 280 pounds of sin. You know, that's how much I weighed. By God's grace, I've lost over 50 pounds. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Pray, I, I'm, I'm so happy for that. But listen, that was a process. That's not Jesus with my sin. Jesus didn't say to me, well, Joe, you weigh about 280. You know you got about 50 pounds of sin on you. Let's work a pound a week off. Let's start here. Let's start here. And let me just teach you little things to help yourself. That's not what Jesus says. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Vinny, would you come, please? This might be a two-parter. I can't give it all today, baby. Can't give it all. 
I'm so excited. How many want to live the new life? How many believe we all can live a new life? How many are done with sin? Just done with it. You, you just don't want it. I, I wish I had time to go through a list of sin. Maybe I will today. Maybe I will. Just in closing. Because I'm just, I'm just curious. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with me. What one do you still want? And I'll share with you what it means to be a Christian in, in sin. I'll show you that because it can happen. But I'll tell you what we do in those situations. I'll show you what we do. Look at this right here. How many believe this verse? This, let me read it and you tell me if you believe it or not. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Has come. The old has gone. The new is. How many of y'all believe this? So where's the, where's the new creations at? Where's some new creations at? Right here. Come on, somebody say right here, baby. Right here. This is a new creation. This is a changed life. This right here is changed. Hold me accountable to it. Encourage me in it. This is changed. No excuses. Sins get repented of and get dropped like they're hot, baby. That's what sins get treated like. They get sent back to hell where they came from. But right here is new. I don't want the old anymore. I don't have a desire to go back to sex with women I wasn't married to. I don't have a desire to get drunk when I drink. I don't have a desire to cuss you out when I get mad. God has changed my heart. Now I'll show you what happens when Christians get tempted to sin because we do. Go to Galatians chapter 5 verse 21. How many have since being a Christian you've been tempted to sin? How many since being a Christian you can admit you have sinned, you've messed up? Okay. But do you trample on that grace of God? Or do you come in repentive nature and go, man, that is not me. I, I don't want to be that. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. When you're there, say, I'm there. I was talking to somebody the other day. I think it was Adam. And Adam was asking me, how do you prepare a sermon? Do you remember we were talking about this? I haven't even got really to the sermon. The reason is, is because I prepare a sermon on Friday, but Monday through Saturday, I'm thinking on it the whole time. The moment this sermon is over, all I'm doing is thinking about the next one. But I'll write down the notes, and you guys have them. That's why I put them in blog form. But everything you're hearing is directly from my heart today right now. Do you all get that? I'm so passionate for you guys getting these things as I grow with you. Look at what it says. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. What did not change when I was born again is this flesh right here. This did not change. These freckles were there before I got born again, and they're there right now. The flesh did not change. The flesh is your five senses, what you touch, taste, see, feel, and hear. And where are they centered around in your nervous system? Your brain. Your soul and your brain are separate. Your brain will die along with the body of flesh, but your soul lives on. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind and your brain can be at odds with each other. Your brain can operate on sheer instinct while your mind steps back and makes a conscious decision. Your brain can be stimulated by sights and smells and memories. Alzheimer's is losing memory. So that means in your brain there are a place where memories are chemically stored. Your mind and brain interact with each other. Are you guys with me? When your flesh desires these things, this is what your flesh will desire. 
contrary things to the Spirit of God in you. There are not two yous. You're not your finger. You're not your eye. You're not your genitalia. You're not your organs. You're not your brain. You are the spirit and the soul inside of you. Are you listening? But your flesh, just like it gets hungry, will get hungry for sin. Every man right here, I punch you right in the nose, your flesh will want to punch me back. That is a stimulus to get it on. We strip a woman up here in front of the men. It will stimulate you. Ladies, here's my one for you. We start talking about what sister so-and-so said about you last week on Facebook. It will stimulate your nerves to want to get her back. Block her. Oh, she said what? No, she didn't. Oh, no, she don't know. She don't know. Stereotypical. I'm sorry, but I had to go there. But watch. It's contrary. They are in conflict with each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Because if I'm doing God's things, I don't got to worry about the Holy Spirit getting upset with me for breaking God's law. The Holy Spirit is the policeman of heaven. Is anybody here running from the cops right now? You're afraid of the cops. All you're thinking about is when they come and when they come. Them boys in blue, them boys, they, they, they got me. They got me. Where are they at? You thinking about that right now? No, you know why you're not if you're not? It's because you're not a lawbreaker. Am I going to hell? Am I going to hell? Jesus said to me. No, I'm, I'm not worried about that because I'm not a lawbreaker. The Holy Spirit in here says everything's all right. I got you. I got you. He bears witness with me. He says, I got you. How many know the Holy Spirit got you? You are sealed, the Bible says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. See, that's why a lot of times I don't mention them in church, because they are so obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. These three things summarize sex before marriage, oral sex, uh, bestiality sex, homosexual sex. Any sex that is not in a marriage with one man, one woman, is immoral, impure, and debaucherous. That's the definition. Other places it actually says homosexual sex and other kinds of things, but we'll just leave it here. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. These two things, dissensions, factions, is what you see on reality TV and what they're doing to each other, okay, if you didn't know what that was. Envy, that's fighting, you get what I'm saying? Envy, drunkenness, orgies. How many know the Bible has orgies in it? It gets quiet when I talk like that. But your Bible had that word. Why y'all get quiet like this? That's popular in our culture right now. Polyamory, everybody want to hook up. This is what's going on. Look what it says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, what do we do as Christians? We get born again, new in the Spirit, and we let God bring forth in our lives the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say, fruit of the Spirit. Here it is. In closing, band, would you come, please? But the fruit of the Spirit. Not the deeds of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Can you have too much love and God get mad at you? Can you have too much peace and God say, quit it, stop it, start worrying more? What's your problem? No, there's no law against those things. Maybe you guys should stand to the side. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be putting that in your eye, blinding you. Thank you. Now watch this. Look at what it says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Crucified the flesh with its what? That's how we do it. That's how we live holy. So when my flesh wants to get drunk, what do I do? 
When my flesh wants to envy what you got, what do I do? When my flesh wants to hook up and don't act like nobody don't want to hook up no more. My flesh wants to hook up and live out some fantasy. What do I do? When my flesh wants to start a faction and a dissension and kick all the elders out of the church because they didn't say something nice to me, what do I do? When I want to have a fit of rage and go bonkers on you in traffic, what do I do? Amen. Now watch this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you set down that mic and be the Holy Ghost right now? Would you do that? I know it's a lot to ask, but we're going to hold hands and keep in step with each other. I want you to think about this. Wherever the Holy Spirit goes... I go. So Holy Spirit, lead me this way, in paths of righteousness. Oh, but Holy Spirit, I want to act crazy today. The Holy Spirit says, I ain't going there with you. That's a deed of the flesh. See, me and the Spirit, we can do tug of war like this all day long. You know what this is called? This is called grieving the Holy Spirit. You will feel in your conscience more than just your own conscience, but you'll feel it there, the conscience of God, the Holy Spirit telling you that's wrong. Because how many knew before you got saved in your conscience it was okay to cuss somebody out because they deserved it? I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. They deserved it. I, that's exactly how I was. Right. Was any of you at one point ever a sinner? Am I talking to a normal group of people here? Okay, did y'all ever cuss somebody out when you were a sinner and think they deserved it? But how many ever tried to do it since being a Christian and you felt this? The Lord stopped you and go, I'm not cool with that. How many men, be honest with me because I've been picking on you, I'm a man too. How many men looked at girls, lusted after girls and never felt anything bad about it? Like you just had your fantasies, you, man, it was right. You were a man. How many men do I got up in here? Okay, maybe in the ashes, how many of you men looked at other men? Maybe I'm talking to the wrong kind of men because I'm not getting the amens that I'm needing here. So maybe there's other kind of men. So you men, let me put it in your lingo, we're looking at other men. <laughs> Come on. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now you get saved. Yeah, this is funny now, right? This is cool. I set myself up for this. That's all right, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We're both in love with a man, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Now watch this right here. But all of a sudden, you got saved, and the Holy Spirit's leading you in marriage and righteousness, and you say, nope, I'm going to go back to pornography. How many knew there was a tug of war there? So the Bible says, let us stay in step with the Spirit. So keep walking, baby. I'm going to stay in step with the Spirit. When people try to make me mad, I'm going to be crucified in my flesh and be patient. When people come into my life and talk about me, I'm not going to be jealous. I'm going to be prayerful. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to pray for my enemies. When people come against me want to make me mad, I'm going to ask God for patience. I'm going to walk on the paths of righteousness for His name's sake because He's walking with me and I'm going to keep in step with Him and crucify the desires and passions of that old dirty flesh. Give it up for Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Come on. How many want to live the crucified spiritual life? How many want to live a life of salvation? Not waiting till you get to heaven till you saved. Living saved down here. Living saved down here. I don't want to keep you any longer. Let's just pray. Altar workers, would you come please? Would you bow your head, close your eyes and ask God to search your heart. Number one, are you saved? If you're not saved, come to Jesus and say, I believe you died, were buried, rose again, went to heaven for me and are coming back. That's what it means to be saved. Place your trust in Jesus. Number two, if you are saved, search your heart. Are you living saved? 
If you are not living saved, say, God, I surrender my sin to your spirit right now. I surrender my sin. I don't want it. Change my heart, oh God. Make me like you today. Not tomorrow, not three weeks from tomorrow. Today. And then lastly, those who can say, I am living this out right now. The Bible says, take heed, lest you think, when you think you stand, lest you fall. Ask the Lord to show you of any pitfalls in your life that you need to avoid. Cut off bad habits, bad things that could lead to sin. Because you've got to guard your heart, the Bible says. Keep it pure. Don't just take things in for granted and not pay attention. Say, Lord, is there any pitfalls around me? Maybe you're getting uh, uh, too close to a coworker. You're married, and you just know that that female coworker could lead you down the wrong path. Come on, just be your friend, but don't go further than what you've been doing. Some of you maybe are getting getting into a new job, but that new job is going to require some things for you from you, and it may take away from family time. You might have to turn down the race so you can be with your family. Watch out for pitfalls. Number one, are you saved? Number two, are you living saved? And number three, are you aware of the world you're living in and the pitfalls around you? Let us all take time to pray in one of those three areas right now. God, help us to stay in step with your spirit. Help us to live like we are saved. New creations. And if we should sin, may we repent and continue on the path of righteousness, not breaking step with you. 30 more seconds. Come on, I'm just giving you a minute right now. Why? Because it doesn't take a long time. You can go into longer prayer at home, but right now just focus on God. Focus on your life and ask Him to do a miracle, what He can do. God will do it now in moments. At this moment, you'll be saved. At this moment, you'll be changed. Right now, God, do what only you can do. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Start your kingdom in me. Break forth your kingdom in my life. Break forth your kingdom in my family. Break it forth right now. Set me free so I can live for you. Let me do these good works that you put.